Hello, everyone. Welcome to another edition of the 15-Minute Devotional. Uh, this is for Akron Alliance Fellowship Church in Akron, Ohio. We appreciate you being here for our online video and podcast. Welcome. My name is Melvin Gaines. I'm just uh, as a note now, this program encourages viewers and listeners to get more into God's Word and stay in it with consistency as you learn and grow in the knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Now, today's reading, we're going to be covering the reading for Wednesday, May the 17th, 2023. That's Wednesday, May 17th, 2023. We're going to be covering the book of Numbers, chapter 13, verses 1 through 33. Mark, chapter 14, verses 32 through 52. Psalm 53, verses 1 through 6. And Proverbs 15, verses 15 to 17. Now, we're going to cover the two-year Bible plan. This is what we're following. That's what we our church follows. And this allows for the reader to cover the entire Bible over a two-year period. In our devotional, just for the sake of continuity, we're going to read all the passages I just mentioned for today. And then we're going to make some verbal notes about the content as we go. Now, when you follow the two-year Bible plan... And normally we'll cover a period of about 7 to 10 minutes of Bible reading each session. And you follow that with the last 5 to 8 minutes of time for a devotional reflection on the readings. And then you would just close it out in prayer. That is why we call it the 15-minute devotional. Um, we won't be on the, on the air here for 15 minutes. It's going to take a little bit longer than that. But this is just to get you the idea, to get you hungry for reading the Word of God and studying it and looking at it. Uh, more closely. We encourage everybody to follow that pattern that I've just described to develop the best habits for reading and studying and meditating on God's Word. But, of course, you're going to read the Bible hopefully more than 10 minutes each day if you want to. But for those of us who have time constraints, we have busy schedules, we've got lifestyles that require us to settle, set some time available to just stop and read the Word of God, the 15-minute devotional will help you establish those good habits every day. So let's go ahead and get started. Uh, Amen. Let's look at the word today. And again, we're going to be starting out uh, in this particular session in Numbers chapter 13, verses 1 through 33. Let's go ahead and look to the Lord with a word of prayer. We'll get started. Father, thank you for this time that you have given to us, Lord, to stop and reflect upon you and your word. We thank you for the indwelling Holy Spirit that's in every believer that we want to rely upon you, Lord, to help teach us and provide wisdom from the knowledge we take in. Bless us now, Lord. We thank you and give you praise in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, everyone, let's start this. Turn your Bibles, electronic devices to Numbers chapter 13. We're going to look at verses 1 through 33. That is all of Numbers chapter 13. That's the entire chapter. And due to the interest of time, we're going to read right through it and get to this right away because we... Uh, of course, when we, when you start talking like as I do on these things, it's going to take a little bit longer than I said the prolonged 15 minutes to get through everything. But we want to establish good habits. That's the whole point of this. We want to encourage you to read thoroughly through passages and, and even read things you've read before and maybe even discover something new as you read them. Let's start with Numbers 13.1. I think you're going to think this is going to be a very interesting passage as well, too, because of exactly why the uh, Israelites... Uh, They waned in their faith quite a bit and often, and this is going to be an example of this as we go. Starting at Numbers 13, verse 1, this is from the New Living Translation. Please follow along in your version. 
The Lord now said to Moses, send out men to explore the land of Canaan, the land I am giving to the Israelites. Send one leader from each of the twelve ancestral tribes. Verse 3. So Moses did as the Lord commanded him. He sent out twelve men, all tribal leaders of Israel, from their camp in the wilderness of Paran. These were the tribes and the names of their leaders. Reuben, Shemua, son of Zakur, Simeon, Shaphat, son of Hori, Judah, Caleb, son of Jephunneh, Issachar, Agol, son of Joseph, Ephraim, Hoshea, son of Nun, Benjamin, Palti, son of Raphu, Zebulun, Gadiel, son of Sodai, Manasseh, son of Joseph, Gadai, son of Sudai, verse 12, Dan, Anmiel, son of Gamali, Asher, Sether, son of Michael, Naphtali, Nabai, son of Voshai, Gad, Gul, son of Mekai. These are the names of the men Moses sent out to explore the land. Moses called Hoshea, son of Nun, by the name Joshua. Verse 17, Moses gave the men these instructions as he sent them out to explore the land. Go north through the Negev into the hill country. See what the land is like and find out whether the people living there are strong or weak, few or many. Verse 19, see what kind of land they live in. Is it good or bad? Do their towns have walls or are they unprotected like open camps? Is the soil fertile or poor? Are there many trees? Do your best to bring back samples of the crops you see. It happened to be the season for harvesting the first ripe grapes. Verse 21, so they went up and explored the land from the wilderness of Zin as far as Rehob near Labo Hamath. Going north, they passed through the Negev and arrived at Hebron, where Ahiman, Sheshai, and Talmai, all descendants of Anak, lived. The ancient town of Hebron was founded seven years before the Egyptian city of Zon. <clears throat> Pardon me. When they came to the valley of Eskol, they cut down a branch with a single cluster of grapes so large that it took two of them to carry it on a pole between them. They also brought back samples of the pomegranates and figs. That place was called the Valley of Eshkol, which means cluster, because of the cluster of grapes the Israelite men cut there. Verse 25, after exploring the land for 40 days, the men returned to Moses, Aaron, and the whole community of Israel at Kadesh in the wilderness of Paran. They reported to the whole community what they had seen and showed them the fruit they had taken from the land. Verse 27, this was their report to Moses. We entered the land you sent us to explore, and it is indeed a bountiful country, a land flowing with milk and honey. Here is the kind of fruit it produces. But the people living there are powerful, and their towns are large and fortified. We even saw giants there, the descendants of Anak. Verse 29, the Amalekites live in the Negev, and the Hittites, Jebusites, and Amorites live in the hill country. The Canaanites live along the coast of the Mediterranean Sea and along the Jordan Valley. But Caleb tried to quiet the people as they stood before Moses. Let's go at once to take the land, he said. We can certainly conquer it. But the other men who had explored the land with him disagreed. We can't go up against them. They are stronger than we are. So they spread this bad report about the land among the Israelites. 
The land we traveled through and explored will devour anyone who goes to live there. All the people we saw were huge. We even saw giants there, the descendants of Anak. Next to them, we felt like grasshoppers. And that's what they thought, too. Okay, that's Numbers chapter 13, verses 1 through 33. That's the whole chapter of Numbers. Now, I want you to understand something about this passage, and we'll just make a very brief comment. I encourage everyone listening and viewing this to do your own research and look at these passages in greater detail for understanding. But this is not a high point or a high moment for the Israelites. You have to understand, they've just gone through the wilderness and now they're about to be crossing over, about to cross over into this land that God gave them. And yet, we have this comment going on about the spies going to the land because they had doubt about what was taking place. I want you to reflect on one passage um, because this is what's going to follow in Deuteronomy. Deuteronomy chapter 1, I'm going to read to you verses 20 through 22. And the reason why I'm reading this is that it was always God's intent for the Israelites just to go into the land, take possession of it. No questions asked. God was going to make sure that everything was going to be ready for them to take possession of the land. They didn't have to go through all the effort of going to check out what was already there. God had already taken care of that, and he would have taken care of that. But it was because of Israel's doubt, the doubt of many taking place that that didn't happen and that's why we have this whole episode now about having spies to look at the land to see what's there before they even get there in verse 20 of deuteronomy chapter 1 it says and this is the christian center bible version i said to you you have reached the hill country of the amorites which the lord our god is giving us see the lord your god has set the land before you go up and take possession of it as the lord the god of your ancestors has told you do not be afraid or discouraged. But look what it says in verse 22. Then all of you approached me and said, let's send men ahead of us so that they may explore the land for us and bring us back a report about the route we should go up and the cities we will go to. And so that was what had occurred at that point. The people weren't having enough faith that God would deliver the land exactly as spoken. And so, therefore, the Lord permitted them to go ahead and get spies together to look at the land because that was what they wanted. Now, you have to understand something about God. God is, a, is a, of course, a sovereign God. He knows the hearts of everyone that he's created, but he also knows that there are people in the midst there that lack faith. And there are many of us, frankly, sometimes that God will do things to accommodate us because we lack faith doesn't mean that he is liking it or permitting it, but that's the nature of who we are. And so this whole episode about going in and, and exactly what happened here, back to Numbers 13, you'll see that there were some that, like Caleb said, hey, let's go. Let's take the land. No problem. Shouldn't have any issues. People disagreed with him, said, nope, the people there are too strong. They're fortified. They're, they're large. Some of them are giants. We can't overpower them. We can't take them. They're just taking God completely out of the picture. And this is going to be the ruination for a number of these people here that we read about early on in chapter 13, the people who were selected to go and be spies. As you read later in this passage, in, the, in, this, uh, in the book of Numbers, you'll see that these people are going to meet their demise because of their lack of faith 
their lack of trust in God. Hopefully that's a lesson for all of us, too. Remember, when Moses uh, was talking about granting divorce, it was done for what reason? The hardening of the hearts of those when it came to the marriage relationship, wanting to divorce the women there. And so Moses had made some allowances based upon the hardness of the hearts of the people. That means there was a lack of faith, there was a lack of trust, and that is basically our ailment as a people, as a fleshly people. We are always going to have these challenges to our faith, and may we just step up and just listen to what God is saying and honor him as we go, rather than always questioning everything, always looking at everything. We, there's, It's okay to ask questions once in a while, it's okay to look at certain things, but at the end of the day, our lack of faith, God sometimes accommodates us because we lack faith and we perhaps are robbing ourselves of real blessing when we do that. He loves us and he doesn't want us to see, to see us do those things, but we're not created to be robots. We're created to live our lives according to um, free will and we make those decisions based upon free will. But sometimes we need to be conscious of what is God's role in what we do? What is God's role in what is taking place? So, Let that be a lesson in Numbers chapter 13 about what's truly going on here. I hope you can see that uh, as we look at this. Okay, in the interest of time, let's go over now to Mark chapter 14. Here's another very uh, pointed passage here um, covering a number of verses. It moves very quickly. Mark chapter 14, verses 32 to 52. It's not the entire chapter, but um, it's a good chunk of it. And it's the period of time here now where Jesus is going to pray in Gethsemane. So let's look at Mark chapter 14, starting at verse 32, continuing in our two-year Bible plan reading for the day, uh, Wednesday, May 17th. Starting at verse 32. They went to the olive grove called the Gethsemane, and Jesus said, Sit here while I go and pray. He took Peter, James, and John with him, and he became deeply troubled and distressed. He told them, My soul is crushed with grief to the point of death. Stay here and keep watch with me. He went on a little farther and fell to the ground. He prayed that if it were possible, the awful hour awaiting him might pass him by. Verse 36, Abba, Father, he cried out, everything is possible for you. Please take this cup of suffering away from me. Yet I want your will to be done, not mine. Verse 37, then he returned and found the disciples asleep. He said to Peter, Simon, are you asleep? Couldn't you watch with me even one hour? Keep watch and pray so that you will not give in to temptation, for the spirit is willing, but the body is weak. Verse 39, then Jesus left them again and prayed the same prayer as before. When he returned to them again, he found them sleeping. For they couldn't keep their eyes open, and they didn't know what to say. When he returned to them the third time, he said, Go ahead and sleep. Have your rest. But know the time has come. The Son of Man is betrayed into the hands of sinners. Up, let's be going. Look, my betrayer is here. Verse 43, And immediately, even as Jesus said this, Judas, one of the twelve disciples, arrived with a crowd of men armed with swords and clubs, they had been sent by the leading priests and the teachers, of, the teachers of religious law and the elders. The traitor, Judas, had given them a prearranged signal. You will know which one to arrest when I greet him with a kiss. 
then you can take him away under guard. As soon as they arrived, Judas walked up to Jesus, Rabbi, he exclaimed, and gave him the kiss. Then the others grabbed Jesus and arrested him. But one of the men with Jesus pulled out his sword and struck the high priest's slave, slashing off his ear. Jesus asked them, Am I some dangerous revolutionary that you come with swords and clubs to arrest me? Why didn't you arrest me in the temple? I was there among you teaching every day. But these things are happening to fulfill what the scriptures say about me. And all his disciples deserted him and ran away. One young man following behind was clothed only in a long linen shirt. When the mob tried to grab him, he slipped out of his shirt and ran away naked. Okay, that's the passage, Mark chapter 14, verses 32 through 52. Now, we know that this is a very uh, pivotal time. It's right before, of course, Jesus went to the cross, before he was arrested. And we know there's a, the way Mark writes, he writes everything with kind of a, succinct tone to it there is are seldom occasions where he writes more than what is recorded in the other gospels but this was something that was recorded and you have to understand that um jesus is completely aware of what judas is going to do completely aware of the betrayal completely aware of it called it out mentioned it uh prior to this so there's no surprises taking place however we're still looking at jesus in he is a 100 percent human and 100% God, the 100% human side of him is agonizing over what's going to be taking place very soon. And it's not even so much the part about him dying on the cross, but it's all the things leading up to it. The, the, the idea of being tortured, the idea he knows what's going to happen to him. And there is reason to believe, if you really consider this time of prayer where he's going away and going in a place to pray, um, there's reason to believe that Satan is in his midst as well, too, trying to weigh him down and burden him with this whole thing that's taking place, uh, probably to encourage him to really not go through with it. But, of course, it comes down to how he prays about to the Lord about doing not according to my will, but to your will. And when we face temptation, when we face these things that are coming about in our lives that try to get us off track and get us out of fellowship with the Lord. At the end of the day, we have to come back to what is the Lord's will for us? What does he want us to do? How does he want us to respond to these moments when we're being tempted? He always provides a way of escape. He always provides us what we need to resist the devil. And it says for us to resist the devil and he will flee from you. And at the end of the day, that's exactly what Jesus was doing. He was resisting the temptations of the devil to uh, succumb to the fact that he's going to go through all of this torture, go through this difficulty. It says again in verse 34, my soul is crushed with grief to the point of death. Stay here and keep watch with me. He was just asking the disciples to pray for him. And but they were obviously not really paying attention to everything that was going on right then. And they were resting and sleeping. And what they were mentioning here is like. If you guys want to make sure that uh, you are watching and you have to be awake and praying because, as he says in verse 38, the spirit is willing, but the body is weak. And Jesus was dealing with the weakness in his body, but he still was strong in that he was going to be obedient to the Father and do exactly what the scriptures said he would do. And it always comes back to what is God's word. Amen. What is God's word? What does God's word say? 
And what does God's word say to us about how we are to live? That's always what we want to come back to. And there are a lot of people who are living today who don't really care about what God has to say or, or, or are interested in what God has to say. But yet we need to make, uh, make a note of that. One more thing to point out here at the end of this passage about the young man fleeing. Um, we're not really quite sure who this young man is. We can only speculate. There, the speculation, it, I don't believe it's Peter because um, it's something that we need to recognize. But someone, uh, uh, one commentator points out that it probably was John Mark. John Mark was the one who, it may have been him. Um, um, and it's not, it wasn't Paul either, by the way. Uh, it was John Mark. They said what they think. But he's not mentioned by name. Uh, that's left out. But he was one of the younger uh, people who was in the midst of Jesus that was still learning about who he was. But he was afraid and terrified. But uh, he, they, he was the one who wound up running away naked because they had grabbed his clothing. And all he had on was that uh, one linen shirt. Um, so that's just something for speculation, nothing to dwell on per se. But you have to understand a lot of the people who are mentioned by name, uh, in these books, uh, in, at some point or another, they were around Jesus more than others, and so we need to make a note of that as well, too. Okay, please read that on your own as well, too, and come back over it. Let's jump over to Psalm 53. Psalm 53, uh, it is all, uh, it's a very short psalm, it's six verses. Psalm 53, um, and if you were looking at the two-year Bible plan reading, it literally would cut off at verse, verses 1 through 5. And then tomorrow, the next day would be verse 6. But we're just going to read all of that. We're going to cover Psalm 53, verses 1 through 6. Because it, it does, it's appropriate to cover all of it because of how it is referenced here at the end. That verse 6 is pretty important. Psalm 53, verse 1. Continuing in our two-year Bible plan reading. For the choir director, a meditation, a psalm of David... Only fools say in their hearts, there is no God. They are corrupt and their actions are evil. Not one of them does good. God looks down from heaven on the entire human race. He looks to see if anyone is truly wise, if anyone seeks God. But no, all have turned away. All have become corrupt. No one does good, not a single one. Will those who do evil never learn? They eat up my people like bread and wouldn't think of praying to God. Terror will grip them, terror like they have never known before. God will scatter the bones of your enemies. You will put them to shame, for God has rejected them. Who will come from Mount Zion to rescue Israel? When God restores his people, Jacob will shout with joy, and Israel will rejoice. Now this psalm is pretty much the same as Psalm 14 uh, as far as the translation is concerned. But we have to recognize, though, that this is uh, something that has more to do with the last days when the Antichrist is going to be the one who is the ruler. And even the, although it is referring to that period of time, there's a lot of what's being said here in Psalm 53 that applies to today. We've got a lot of people who really do not have any desire, any inkling, any wanting to follow the Lord. And so they act accordingly. They act in evil. And, of course, they, um, they reflect their corruption by their actions, their public actions. So, but again, this is still referring to the end times of the Antichrist. 
and Psalm 14, the name Jehovah is used four, ti- four times, and the name Elohim is used three times. In Psalm 53, the name Elohim is being used seven times, all of these times, and that's God's name as creator. And so we have to recognize that this is, even though there are people who doubt that God exists, if you read the way this is being portrayed here in Psalm 53, um, this is still referring to our God, the creator, the one who has created all of us, the one who has created all things. And we want to make sure that we understand that there are going to be many who are going to deny uh, the existence of God. First John chapter 2, verse 22 says, And who is a liar? Anyone who says that Jesus is not the Christ, anyone who denies the Father and the Son is an antichrist. Now, we know that there will be the antichrist coming, but there will be a lot of people who will deny uh, who Christ is even before the appearance of the antichrist. And we already have versions of that today, right? I mean, if you really recognize what it really is, um, we need to make sure that people understand the importance of seeking God and having faith in him. Hebrews 11:6 says it's impossible to please God without faith. Anyone who wants to come to him must believe that God exists, believe that God exists, our creator, Elohim, and that he rewards those who sincerely seek him. Do you believe in who Jesus is? Do you believe that God exists? Now that may sound like a very weird question to ask at a time like this, but we don't make any assumptions, do we? There are people who still question who God truly is. It's okay to question it, but now we need to get beyond that and say, do you believe that God exists? Do you believe that your creator exists? Um, Look outside. Look at nature. Who put that there? Who's responsible for that? Well, none other than our creator, Elohim, God himself. And so we need to recognize that that is what... um, this psalm is addressing atheism as a characteristic of the Antichrist. Don't believe in God. Not believing in God. And so the challenge is going to be for those people uh, who are still left behind at that point. Are you going to believe in God or follow the Antichrist? That's the choice you have to make. That's the decision that you have to make yourself when it comes to following Jesus Christ. Okay. And one more reading, Uh, Proverbs 15. Go to Proverbs 15, please. Verses 15 through 17. And thank you for hanging along with us today because this went a little bit smoother than I thought it would. Uh, Let's get through this last section here before I, I say that. Proverbs 15, verses 15 through 17. Verse 15. For the despondent every day brings trouble. For the happy heart, life is a continual feast. Amen. Better to have little with fear for the Lord than to have great treasure and inner turmoil. A bowl of vegetables with someone you love is better than steak with someone you hate. Amen. Uh, There's something about these Proverbs, though, that really do speak to uh, us individually and making sure that we're aware of what, uh, what God has given to us. John chapter 16, verse 15 says that all that belongs to the Father is mine. That's Jesus speaking. This is why I said the Spirit will tell you whatever he receives from me. 
What are we receiving from God? It's something the Spirit gives us an inkling to, gives us information about. And so what we receive is indeed a gift from God. Whatever we get from him is a good, a good thing. But we also sometimes need to not inject the way we think about certain things. And I do like that last verse, verse 17. A bowl of vegetables with someone you love is better than steak with someone you hate. Amen. Um, uh, that's the thing that's really important for us to, as a takeaway. When we live our lives, we want to make sure that we are living in such a manner where um, that should remind us about what happens in the book of Daniel. Daniel was taken as a slave into Babylon, and he had the ability to have that, that close relationship with the Lord, right? Uh, he was given that certain diet because he refused to eat the fatty foods because it would be, um, first of all, it was forbidden for the Jews to eat that food but according to the laws of God. But it was also unhealthy to eat the other foods. And look what happened. God honored him to be that prime minister for Nebuchadnezzar and also eventually the prime minister for Cyrus. So Daniel was honored by God because he was faithful. He stayed true to who he was. He straight stayed true to being obedient to the Father, obedient to God. May we live according to that example. That's what Daniel did. And may we live in the same manner. Amen. Let's close out in prayer. Father, we are just so thankful to go through your word and just be enlightened by your teachings now. We thank you, Lord, for your presence. We ask that you bless us. Bless this group who has joined us online as well, too. We thank you, Lord, for your teaching. And we want to give you praise and thanks in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you, everyone, for joining us for another 15-minute devotional. It went approximately almost 30 minutes, <laughs> but it was just the extra commentary. But we hope that we encourage you by doing this, that you're going to stay in the word, follow the word. And we invite you back again next Wednesday for another 15-minute devotional. Take care of yourselves. We'll see you next time.